Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from Paul's first letter to Timothy. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, but I want to give you some things as you're turning there to look at, um, to, to respond. You know, we're thinking about how do we respond? How do we stay connected? And uh, one of the ways is through uh, cclongview.com. There's a page set up that if you uh, want to respond to our, on our webpage, you can respond that way. We'd love to hear from you, by the way. And also through the social media site, whatever your platform you're using, that we would love to hear that you're uh, there, that you're watching, but also uh, if the Lord ministers to you. And then uh, directly on the screen, there's going to be a number that they'll put up for you. You can text your response to that number and just say, hey, I need prayer, I, you know, or, or I've given my life to Christ, and we'll have that up throughout the uh, not throughout, but you know, through uh, the end of the service as well. We'd love to hear from you because we want to get you a Bible. Um, if you need a Bible, we'd love to get you a Bible, send you some literature uh, on what it is to walk with Christ. And also for that number there, you see that number that's on your screen. Um, Elaine and I are taking uh, a few days this week, and we'd love to meet with you, uh, obviously following the CDC standards, but we, what we'd like to do is if you need prayer and you want us to pray from the porch and we'll meet with you one-on-one or, you know, however it might be, uh, two-on-one, or if you'd like uh, a visit or you need something from the store, maybe some medication picked up, some uh, essentials that we can bring to you, we'd like to do that. So text that number right now as you see it. And uh, obviously you got to be local. I'm not flying down to California, but uh, we'll, we'll make sure we meet with you. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So um, text that number and let us know, yes, hey, I would like a visitor. I like prayer. And you can also go to, you know, our, our prayer at cclongview.com and throw a prayer request in there, and we'll definitely be praying for you. So with that, uh, then this Wednesday, Paul Taylor is going to be here from uh, Mount St. Helens Creation uh, Museum. He's going to be here uh, teaching on climate control. And I, I've asked him to come in here, uh, you know, it's, it's just something that's been buzzing around for years now, and I just uh, love the way he put it in his uh, talk at the creation conference here um, at Castle Rock a few months ago, and so we've invited Paul to come down this Wednesday, and really what it does too is it gives me a chance to get out to meet with you or to be you know, running errands for you, and we want to make that personal. And I, just, I tell you what, we all, I think the whole worship team, I can speak for everybody here, which is our worship team. Um, we miss you, we love you, and we care for you, the leadership of the church. We miss you, we love you, we care for you. It's just not, not the same, but we are here to serve. So with that said, um, if you're in your Bibles, you're opening to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's stand together and we'll read the text. Paul writing uh, to the Corinthian church, kind of closing off this letter with a couple of chapters left. And uh, he says in verse 1, He says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that the word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, by the twelve. And after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remains uh, to the present, but some have fallen asleep, or some have passed away. In verse 7 he says, After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, 
who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. And again, Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for you to minister to every heart, in every service that's going on today, that there would be revival, not only in the church, but there would be many coming to faith in Christ, and that you would be glorified. So give us ears to hear, keep the kids um, just attentive to the things that they're doing, and may you bless our homes right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Speaking of that, uh, kids, you can be seated by the way, <laughs> speaking of the children, we do have some stuff on our webpage for them, hopefully you got the uh, note on that, the email that went out, and you can go there and, and uh, see what's there for the children. So with this, we come to a passage, you know, normally we're in First Timothy, but uh, I just... I've chosen to speak here from 1 Corinthians 15 because I think it, it, it really does. It gives us some good news. The good news that is available to, to us as a church, it reminds us of what Christ has done for us. But then to the, uh, those who are, have not received Christ yet, it also it can bring clarity to them. Oh, yeah, this has. It's not just something that we have blind faith about, but it's something that we have, um, we can trust in. It's a foundation that is sure. You look at the world today and everything that's going on in the world, and, and there's nothing that is an assurance there. I mean, it never has been really in the world. There's been promises, or there's this or that, or you know, trying to maintain order, whatever it is. And, and there's truth, though, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's truth within the word of God. And so we have that to look to, and we have Jesus to look to, and we're so blessed by that. And so what Paul wanted to do here at the uh, Church of Corinth is he would take this letter as he had written it to them. And these were a people that lived in a very carnal world, and the carnality had crept into the church. And so they wanted to be spiritual. They wanted to have all the gifts. They wanted to, you know, have all this stuff. And, and Paul had written to them, and they had, uh, you know, saying, well, we've got to get some things in order. There's some things that are just pressing that you need to look at within your life that if you want to be, you know, walking strong with God, you want to make sure, you know, like, well, you're operating in the gifts and he left off in verse uh, chapter 13 and he talked about the greatest gift is love. Make sure you're walking in love. And then in chapter 14, they educated them on what the gift of tongue is all about. And then he comes in chapter 15 and he says, moreover. And now he has something else to say, and he brings it back to this place to where, you know, this is the emphasis. This should be the emphasis on everything that's going on that you need to hear and that I need to hear. And in the second chapter, he says, for I determined to tell you nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, if you're listening today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, if you understand that much, he, he died for you. And not only did he die, but he was buried and rose again on the third day. And then, you know, you can believe in him. You have that much of the, of the message or that much of the Bible you know. That's where you need to start. I remember coming to faith in Christ. Didn't know anything about the Bible. I knew it was a Bible. I knew it was God's word. I, did, I had no clue. And all, the, all I knew was Jesus died for my sins, and I was thrilled by that. I was so wonderfully blessed. And so you, we come to this point, and we're going to look at a couple of things here. We're going to look at, one, what Paul reminds them that the gospel has done for them. And then the second part of the, uh, the text, we're going to look at the validation of the resurrection. You're not, you know, believing in blind faith. And so let's just jump right into it. Paul, uh, before he can build this case, he's going to remind them of the very heartbeat of uh, the, the gospel, which is good news. Well, we need some good news today, amen? <laughs> we need some type of good news, and this is the good news that has been heralded since time began, since the fall of mankind. There was good news that God had made a promise, and he said it will come, and then we look back 2,000 years ago, and we say it has come. The promise has come. 
that, you know, you know, people are talking about, well, we need some good news. We need, uh, we'd like to hear the economy getting back, or we'd like to hear, you know, the freedom, uh, you know, going out and about and doing our things. But the good news, that is always good news in every situation, it is good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So look at what Paul says. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you, the gospel. That's the good news. And Paul says he's preaching it because he first received it. And th this was a man, you got to keep in mind, Paul thought everything that he was doing prior to his relationship with Christ was right with God. He thought he was in, in a good standings with God. Matter of fact, he was going out so zealously persecuting the church because anything that got in the way of his ideologies and his theology, so he thought that he wanted to make God happy. But you know what? His ways were wrong. And until he heard a voice from heaven, until he heard that place, he saw the grace of God come into his life and save him from his errors, the errors of his way. I mean, that's just such God. That it doesn't matter how far we think we have it and how far we think that we're right. Paul says here that, you know what, brethren, I declare to you the gospel that I preach to you. The gospel, it came to Paul. And it saved him from his ways. And it saved him from what he thought. You know, so many people have this idea. This is what I think, you know. Or this is what I think of God. And in the, no chapter or verse. There's no validity to it. But they've heard it. Or maybe they were raised by that thinking or that mentality or whatever the case may be. Now, Paul is a prime example of God can save somebody that was so against Christianity. So against the way, so against what Christ had done for the world, it'd be the Apostle Paul. Nowadays, you say it's some modern politicians, or you say it's, you know, some of these people out there that are so, you know, holding up signs, just don't want anything to do with, with the Lord, or don't want anything to do with Christianity. Well, you know what? God can save them. He can save them just like he saved you and just like he saved me. And so this gospel that Paul is declaring, he's saying, you know, why is it good news? Oh, my because we don't have to do anything. It's a finished work of the cross that Christ completed in order to die for all of our sins, the sins of the world. And so we have this opportunity to where we look, how can one be right with God? I wonder what it would be for you or for you or for this guy or that girl, this family. But he says, no, 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 no. The good news is that the gospel is the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross, that he gave himself and that he might die for our sins. That's good news. See, it's good news because if we had to hold up to a standard, we would all be flawed. We would all fail. Or you'd be able to do it better than I would. Or you would be able to adhere to this or adhere to that. And some people would be like, well, I can't do that. I'm not that good at that. I fail at this all the time, you see. And then, then people would think that they're more spiritual because, well, they have it and you don't. Or they've obtained it and you don't. But the gospel literally is good news. And with that, we can have the assurance. I mean, not only is it good news, but it's such good news that it comes with an assurance that he who has a son has a life. Not he who keeps his ways or he who, you know, does right all the time and does more rights than wrong or anything like that. That's not what it's about, but it's he who has a son has a life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. So it's very simply put. And I love that about the Lord. So either you're born again or you're not. You're a saint or you're an ain't. This, that's simple. But when we see here what Paul writes to the church, and he says here, he says here, uh, you know, he says that they received it. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received. So they received it. And this is what's interesting because some, maybe even today that are, you know, you're viewing this and you've received the gospel at one time. You received the word of God. Now the question is, what are you doing with that? How far is it buried or how far is it, you know, is, is it still there? Is Christ still there permeating your life? And that's what's important for any of us. But he says they received it. And he reminds the church of the confession that they made so long ago. And so this isn't just for the unsaved. It's for like the saved going, hey, remember you received the gospel? You received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Remember? Because there's going to be all kinds of opposition wanting to come against you. There's going to be all this thing that, you know, gets you more, you know, tempted to just do things on your own. Or, you know, so, so many distractions. 
But he says, wait a second, you received it. And check this out. This receiving it is kind of like this. This is how it works. This receiving it is designed as a kind of a, a radio transmitter. You have one who's going to transmit it, and you have another who's going to receive it. So I'm kind of like the transmitter. I'm heralding the message out there. It has to be broadcast. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, How will they hear without a preacher? Well, turn up your volume if it's low. <laughs> I'm telling you about it. And then to receive it, James uh, chapter 1 tells us this. He says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness. That's a form of humility. He says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So as you hear the word going out, it's not about what do I have to keep? Well, how many hoops do I have to jump through? How many you know, laws or how many of this? How many of that? No, it's, it's Christ in you. You receive that as a gift of eternal life. It's Jesus Christ coming to your life. He died. He loves you enough to let you know that and to hear the message that he has for you. And he reminded them that they had received it. And so this is the function of the church, preaching or broadcasting, and for the audience there to receive it. And so we're being faithful with what we're to do, and you have the opportunity now to open your heart to him and say, that's what I want. That's what I need. And then he said that, that you stand. Remember that you stand. He said, you know, what an incredible thing because we stand. And having received the gospel... It places our life on the rock of Jesus Christ. We're not on the slippery ground. We're not on the earth or on the, or on the world that, that, you know, where we're going to quicksand, we're sinking and all this stuff, and we, we have this unstable ground about our lives. It doesn't matter the storm that comes against us, the gospel of Jesus Christ and receiving uh, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, being born again, you're able to stand. He gives us the power of our new lives. He gives us the power to live our new lives. And with him, you know, we have the, the power that we're not going to have to worry about falling back into our old life or falling back into our old ways. And when we see ourselves and find ourselves drifting back in that place, we look up and we say, God, help me. Here, and here he is to help you. Keep us on track. But we can stand. That's incredible. That's incredible because we live in a world where it has no stability. We have in a world that is fading away. We have a world that is hurting. We have a world that is just full of uncertainties. But he, Paul reminds them that you, have, you can stand, and you can stand in the gospel. The gospel gives a person stability. And the word stand, it gives us that confidence that we can stand, not in ourselves, but in Jesus. As I mentioned, he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us the power to live our lives. And having received the gospel gives us the strength to stand for Christ in a Christ-rejecting world. That I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel. I'm not going to stand up in the midst of everything going on but because he is my rock. You see, we can have confidence to stand, in, stand for righteousness in a world that promotes evil as good. Good is bad and bad is good. You got to mix it up. And confidence that we can stand before God on that day, having been redeemed by his son. So when we are going to die, we're going to go to heaven, whether we're raptured, which we're praying for, or that we die before the rapture, we can have confidence that we can stand before God, not in our own merit, not in what we've done, but, but because of Jesus Christ and what he's given to us. We've been redeemed by the son of God, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, so we can have that confidence. And then Paul went on to say that, you know, by which you are saved, are saved. Think about that. This is a continuous action that he's speaking about. You know, we just don't come up and we say a prayer, we, you know, we, we you know, say this prayer, okay, now I got, you know, now I'm going to heaven. I mean, that's as simple as that, as saying a prayer and asking Christ into your life, but it's more than that at the same time. And what I mean by that is this, we receive Christ in our, in our uh, life, that's the first step, but it's really never completed on earth. You know, the, the, whole, the whole walking with God, the step of salvation, you know, this is a rough place. And, and, and our salvation will be complete when we get to heaven. I'm thankful for that. Remember, it's hard for some, some people to grasp onto, 
But we, we have to understand the Bible speaks of salvation as past, present, and future. Yes, Ephesians 2 talks about the past and he says, For you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Praise God for that. It's justification. The, 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 then the, the present being sanctified. See, the people love being forgiven, but then going through a sanctification process, it's like when Paul said to the Corinthians, this very book in the very first chapter, the 18th verse, he said, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. So not only does he want to forgive you, but he wants to change you. That's the problem we have, that's a, the part we have a problem with. Being changed. But we've given our life to him. He's purchased our lives. And then we have to just let go and say, God, whatever you see fit, do it as, as you want to do it. So we have past justification, present sanctification, and then we have future glorification. In Romans 13, 11 says, but now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I say amen to that. I can't wait for that. We were sitting in here, uh, the worship team, just sitting on the stage, sitting in the chairs, praying this morning. Not only that you would receive Christ, but the rapture would come. <laughs> we want to see people come to Jesus, no doubt, but we also want to go home to be with him. We want to be out of here. So justification, sanctification, and glorification were being saved. And it testifies to us that every one of us who belong to the Lord, every one of us who has had our sins forgiven, we're not perfect and sinless, though we're being perfected and sinless. You see, we stand upon not our perfection, but upon his perfection. Remember, by which you are saved. And then he says this, in verse 2 again, look, it says, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you. Now, you think about life um, as some very dark times. And, and it's a lot of times when these dark times or these trials come upon us, and you can tell whether you're not, you know, you're, you're trusting in God. And whether we're believing in him. And the dark times and the dark places we come through, um, but, you know, there's nothing that, that seems to have us. We know that. Jesus says that I will never let you out of my hand, but we have a human responsibility too. And there's this time to where, you know, are we holding on to him and holding on to his promises? In the day and age in which we live, there's not a lot of hope in the world, but in the church there is. Because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, we should have much hope and we should be holding on to that hope. Look, I don't live by, the I'm, I'm, we're just passing through. I didn't realize that for many years. We're passing through this world. One day we live to be out of here, and we're going to be out of here. And our citizenship is now of heaven. So Paul, Paul told Timothy, he told him, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. Lay hold of that. You know, we look and we can get really bummed out what's going on in this world. Look, at the, the world is going to be governed by its leaders. But my life is going to be, and your life is going to be, governed by the Lord. And we got to remember that. You see, the Lord wants us to trust in him, to lay hold of him. Trust in him, no matter what goes on. Trouble times hit, we're going to trust in him. But also when things are going well. See, we have a tendency to just drift on when things are going well. There's not a care in the world. Uh, you know, gas prices are coming down when we were able to, you know, move about, go camping, go fishing, go whatever, do whatever we do, go on vacation. You know, everything was hunky-dory. But that's when we need to uh, hang, hang on to him and say, you know, uh, we need him even then to steer us from those troubled times that lie under the surface of, uh, of uh, you know, the roads that we travel in this world, the roads of life. It's just incredible. But we need, so we need him, not just call upon him in the bad times and lay hold of him in the bad times, but even the good times. Lord, keep me from wandering. Lord, help me to keep you, keep my first love there. I want to hold on to that, Lord, because I have the propensity to just wander. I'm prone to wander, prone to just my mind goes and all of these things that take place. So there are many who, when coming to Christ, they come across these hard times and sadly, they abandon Jesus. And maybe you've done that this morning. 
Maybe you've done that a while ago and you've bandages. You haven't been holding on. And you've allowed other things to get into your life and come into your life that now are just seemingly more important. But he wants you to let go of those and hold on to him and the promises that he have for, has for you. In every aspect of life, Jesus said in John 8, he said, uh, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, he said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And that abiding is continuing. So in the good times and the bad times, that we're continuing in his word. We're continuing to draw close to him. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall, shall make you free. So we're to continue in those things. Look, bad times come upon us, but we stay in the truth of God's word. Listen, I'm not replacing God's word with the news channels to try and know what's going on today. I'm going to look at God's word to find out what's going on today. And I got a pretty clear picture of the things that are going on by looking at his word. So he says that, you know what, just would you make sure that, uh, you know, you can hold fast. If you hold fast, and it's so important. So in the dark times, we go to the good news of Jesus Christ and the highlights of our life. We're just thanking God for everything. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine not having Jesus in my life going through what this world is going through today. I couldn't imagine that. And that's why he offers himself and says, you know, I've been knocking on the door of your heart for a long time. Today's the day of salvation. That's why it's so important. Whatever is going on, the churches can't meet. The airways are still open. God is still making himself known. He's the one that taps on the heart, not the pastor. The Holy Spirit taps on the heart of every uh, person and says, you know, if you answer that door, I'll come in and I will, I will abide with you forever. That's what we want to have. And then Paul says this, he says, unless you believe in vain. Now this is interesting because unless you believe in vain, it's having this superficial belief. You know, having this faith in faith or, you know, you know, you hear people praying. Well, we're praying all the time. Newscasters sometimes will say, they'll say, my prayers and thoughts are with you. And I'm like, well, who are you praying to and keep your thoughts to yourself? I, in, a, in a gentle way, I say that. But it really is, you know, who are you praying to? Because I want to know if you're praying for me, who are you praying to Oh, you have connections. <laughs> so make sure that you're not one of those who, who just comes to church to identify. Well, you know, this world is all about identity nowadays. Who do you identify with? And we can't just say I identify as a Christian, but we have to have Christ in us because that's the hope. That's the answer. We can identify with a donut. The only thing we have is the only thing we resemble when we identify as a donut is we've got a hole in our head. I mean, can you imagine that? But see, people want to identify with things today, and if the rapture was to come, or if Jesus was to announce it, which he's not, it's in the twinkling of an eye, but he was going to say, hey, I'm going to come back tomorrow at 2 a.m., I'm sure everybody would be getting right. I'm down with this, you know. I'm going to get right with God. So this super, he says, don't have this, you know, unless you believe in vain, don't have this superficial belief. Don't have this phony baloney. Don't have this stuff that's not going to get you anywhere in the end of it. My wife really despises me when I drive with the gas light on. And she's looking over there, her foot's going through the floorboard of the car, and she's like, and I'm always seeing how far I can go. One of these days I'm going to pay the price. How far can I go? I want to see how far this is. And I was driving a newer car that we had gotten, and it, it had, you know, nowadays it tells you you have 33 miles on, you know, before you're going to run out of gas. I was so thankful for that. She doesn't see it up there because she's in a passenger seat. But I see I got 33 miles, and she's like, when are we going to go over and get gas? Ah, don't worry about it. I got this one. You know, I got this one. I got this under control. But all of a sudden, it went from 33 to zero. And I was like, <laughs> I, 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 had to, I couldn't let her know that. That I didn't have it under control anymore. <laughs> My faith was in vain on that thing now. I'm like, wait, I ain't trusting that. So I'm praying, come over and get us a, a, you know, a gas station really quick. And then, you know, so that's what Paul is saying. Is you have a superficial faith. And I'll tell you, there's, there's, I want to bring some clarity to this because there are different types of faith. And you can do your own inventory. Number one, you have a superficial faith. The superficial faith, again, is a faith that's going to collapse during the test of times. It's not real. Not in Christ. You know, it's not real there. And so, you know, that's a superficial faith. It's not a faith that is trusting God. And then we have a secondhand faith. 
You guys have heard of those? Secondhand faith is that, you know, that people will accept things because it was told to them. Well, I remember the Bible says this. Where'd you get that from? Well, well, I was raised. Oh, you were raised. Well, listen, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He has children. Are you a child of God? But they have this secondhand faith to where, you know, they come to this place that they're not owning the gospel. It's not theirs. It's not, I received it for myself. As Paul said, I give to you that which I received. And so they have this secondhand faith. This is secondhand faith isn't going to get you anywhere. And then you have this CEO faith. That's kind of a convenient faith. A CEO faith is Christmas and Easter only faith. I'll grace the doors at Christmas. I'll grace the doors at Easter. But you know what? Instead of that CEO faith, that's a sometime faith or convenient faith. But we really need to have, we need to be thankful for what Jesus has done for us. Are we thankful? I mean, we, we come and we, you know, Resurrection Sunday, a.k.a. a lot of people, you know, it's termed as Easter Sunday. And people will dress up and they'll get their eggs, they'll get their baskets, they'll get their chocolates. And, and I'm all down with chocolates. I love eggs. But the, the real thing behind this is that it's about a life that can be lived because Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. And so our faith isn't in, isn't in vain. It's, it's, we live a faith that's not a convenient faith, but a faith that is what Jesus has done for us every day. I'm glad that we celebrate one day and people will come. People are tuned in that don't know Christ and they're listening. But understand that Jesus doesn't want you to have a faith that's in vain, a superficial faith, a secondhand faith. He wants you to have a genuine faith. That though it is tested, it will become out, it will come out pure. It'll come out with some real riches in it. And so what Paul is saying is, you know, the Corinthians, the, the Christians in Corinth, they didn't continue to hold on to that faith, then they were gonna might let go of the gospel. Listen, that happens so often. We you know right now we're out of sight, out of mind, in a sense to where we can always tune in later. If we're busy at 10.30 or whenever the, the, you know, our church service airs, we can always catch it later. And, and, and you know what? There's some other things that come in there. So if we're not, if we're not holding fast, you know, Paul would say to the Christian church, you know, other things are going to creep in and be careful for those other things. And if you and I aren't convinced of the gospel, then what's going to hold us? What, what have we got to hold on to? I mean, do we have a hope that the virus is going to be, uh, you know, cured? I mean, we all hope for that, but is that our hope? And, and what are we hoping to bring us the forgiveness of the sins and the cleansing of our sins and to make us right with God? Because one day we're saying, hey, this world is anything I want to invest in. And if our faith isn't in Jesus, then we're going to be disappointed. Or you're going to be very disappointed when you die. And so he, he encourages the church, remember, some of you have been to church as a child, and you remember that faith that you had as a child. You need to get that childlike faith back, but come to faith in Jesus Christ and renew your walk with him. Renew that faith. We should be waiting at the doors. Six feet now, today, six feet behind everybody, waiting at the doors, 10 people at a time to come into church. I'm just going to go. Let me just spend 10 minutes in fellowship, you know. And then Paul comes into this uh, part to where he begins to talk about the evidence of the gospel. This is some good news. The evidence of the gospel. In verse 3, he talks about the death of Christ. He says, for I delivered it to you, which I also received. Here Paul again is reminding them, I received this, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. So he said there's evidence here. And the evidence is that Christ died. He died a life. He died for our selfish independence. He died, you know, for you and I and for the sins of the world. But he died. In Romans uh, 5, verse 8, it says that, what, but God demonstrated his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't come to make us better because, you know, he didn't come to make us better. He came to make us alive. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. So he's made us alive. And this is how much he loves us. He doesn't wait for us to get better. I remember prior to coming to Christ, tell this story to the church all the time. I was wanting to clean myself up. I was wanting to 
uh, give my, you know, well, if I just get, stop doing the drugs, stop doing the alcohol, stop doing all this stuff, I want to make myself better for God, he'll accept me. Huh. Boy, did I find out I was wrong. That's God's business. See, he died for me. He died for my situation. He died for my sins. And see, you even have to think about this because even once you've changed, and you say, well, I can do it without Christ. You can change, and you can be sober, and you know, you, you can change as much as you possibly can, but there's something that only Christ can do, and that is to have your sin forgiven and the guilt that comes with it. Martin Luther loved to say, Jesus Christ never died for our good works. They weren't worth dying for, but he gave himself for our sins according to the Scripture. Isn't it amazing because Jesus didn't come. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Bible tells us that every one of us is a sinner. There are none righteous, no, not one. And so how we need a Savior. And so he, he says he died for us. That's incredible. I think if are there any sinners out there, oh, of course there is. And you're looking at a big sinner now saved by the, by the blood of Jesus. So listen. Then he says in verse 4, his burial, and that he was buried. Buried means that there was proof that he was indeed dead. You're not going to bury anybody that's not dead. They die and they get buried. His friends wouldn't have allowed that to happen if he was still alive. It would be called murder. And so they took his body, they wrapped it carefully and, and placed it in the tomb, rolled the stone in front of it. Why? Because he had died. And they wanted to keep it that way. All the messengers of that time, you know, the, the worldly messengers, the religious leaders, the political officers, they just wanted to silence that. Let's get this over and done with. He's dead. Let's bury him. But then something happened. Look at verse 4, and that he rose again. Oh, yeah, he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So both the death and the resurrection were just something new that had been talked about. They were something that the scriptures had foretold Men and women, just like you and I, that it would come to place. That the Messiah would come, Isaiah 53, that he's going to die. He's going to be this humble servant. And that he would die for the sins of the world. Then the scriptures tell us as well, uh, all the way through the Old Testament and New Testament, that he would raise again. So here you have this time to where it's coming to pass. It's not something that, well, we better think of something. We better think of something new. Not at all. You see, Romans 10, 9 says, to this, to you and I, to the world, that if you confess your mouth, with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So he not only died for you, but he also raised for you. He raised for you and I so that we can have something, you go back to the first few verses, that we can hold on to as truth. Something that we can build our lives upon as stability. Something that we can walk in that has power over the things in this world. And so his resurrection, he didn't stay in the grave. He's risen. And this settles it. This authenticates that which he says is true. And you and I can build our lives upon it. Listen, without, you know, we have this validity here as he starts breaking it down. Somebody says, well, that was, a, that was just a wonderful story. Wonderful story. Now listen, it's factual. He goes on to say there's a personal validation. He says in verse 5 that he was seen by Cephas and by the 12 and then over 500 brethren at once. And then he was seen in verse 7 by James and all the apostles. Some had fallen asleep. So the time when Jesus died, was buried, some in that time that saw him had passed away, but he's seen by over 500. 500 at one time. In the court of law, we need two people to present a case. In Acts chapter 1 when uh, Luke was writing the, this book to his friend Theophilus, he said that by many infallible proofs, they had been seen by, by, uh, by them over 40 days speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So by many infallible proofs. So Peter, even, uh, he was seen by Peter in Luke chapter 24. It says, then the risen uh, then the, the Lord is risen indeed and appeared to Simon. That's Peter. So imagine this because Simon Peter had denied Christ. He was in a situation to where he had denied Christ, but he went out and wept over it. And, and Jesus was there, and his desire was to help Peter stand. So you have all these, these people that had, 
you know, even denied, even crucified Christ. Imagine that when Paul, or excuse me, when Peter in Acts chapter 2 would present just 50 days after Passover that uh, Pentecost would come and all of a sudden you have all these people saying, what must we do to be saved? What do we have to do? And I think it's incredible because you come to this point to where you're looking at it and you're saying, well, these people were like you and I. They didn't deserve salvation. Peter was the same way. I mean, in a sense to where, you know, he denied Christ, but yet the Lord showed himself to him because he wanted him, Peter, you need to stand. And it's the same for you and I today. And love doesn't get any better than that. Simon, Simon uh, being broken over his failure then he was den denied his Lord. And, and I remember the days. I remember the first time the gospel was really presented to me at a church service. And I cried the whole time. My wife and I were separated. It was over 30 years ago. And I'll never forget Pastor Mike McIntosh giving the gospel message so clear. And I was just rejecting him. I was hardening my heart. And, and you know what? I'll never forget that. And it was a few months later when I received Christ into my life. And I pray that if any of you are hardening your heart, maybe you've hurt Christ. You've said, spoken some things about him. But you find yourself watching this morning. Once again, he's showing himself to you in the sense that he wants you to come to him. He wants you to give your life to him. He wants you to answer that knock that's on, your, on the door of your heart. And again, seen by over 500 seen by these other people. They might think, well, come on, that's got to be a far-fetched. So many of these would give their life for the truth. Once they saw it, they would be martyred. Once they saw Christ raised from the dead. And you know, you think about you and I today, we're only required to live for him. Then he was seen by James. You know, so you have Peter and then you have James. It's interesting because it's clear from the Gospels that his own family didn't understand him while he was with them, speaking of Jesus. John tells us in John chapter 7, for even his brothers, speaking of Jesus' brothers, did not believe in him. Until now, now they see him and they can't deny him. And so here you have two men that have hurt Jesus, but they were sorry for it and Jesus met them. And as he met them, he forgave them. It's pretty incredible. And then in verses 8 through 11, we have Paul who personalizes the gospel. He says that, and last of all, he was seen by me also. He goes on and says, he says that, you know what, who is not, I'm not worthy to be an apostle because I persecuted the church, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. See, Paul reminds us of how, how bad he was. He persecuted the church. That didn't mean he was just throwing rocks at them or, you know, calling up and making prank calls on their, on their church answering machine. But even in the death, even in the death, Paul was persecuting believers of the way because he thought that he had it all together. He thought that his way was right. And maybe you're here this morning, and no matter what you've done, no matter your past, how it's hurt you, how much guilt you have, Maybe you've spoken evil of the church or somebody in the church. You can't believe that they're born again. Or you've used the Lord's name in vain. It's quite possible that your history is so dark that even you've lost hope long ago until now. And now Christ wants to not only be your Savior, but he wants to heal you. He not only wants to forgive you, but he is so gracious to come into your life and forgive you of your sins to heal you of your past and of your hurts. And he wants to start producing that new man, that new woman in your life, no matter how old or how young you might be. And then Paul was so brutal pertaining to things of God prior to his conversion and God saved him. So it doesn't matter you and I, what we've done, it matters what we're doing right now with the gospel message that he wants to come in and save you and love you. He wants to come in and forgive you. Marriages are suffering, but Christ is the glue to those marriages. Parent-children relationships are suffering, but where is Christ? He's the glue to help even in the family issues. Paul said of himself that he was the least of all the apostles. He openly admitted his unworthiness because of his past. But when God makes somebody new, he makes them new indeed. I'm not worthy to be a pastor, but I understand that God had called me. 
whoever you are and wherever you're at, just understand that you are unworthy as I'm unworthy, but God wants to make you new, brand new. And he, wants to give your, he wants you to give your life to him and let him do what he has for it. So, you know, you deserve to ask yourself this. This question, you deserve to ask yourself, what in your past is keeping you from the only one who can heal you? What in your past is keeping you from the only one who for, can forgive you and heal you of all your hurts? You see, in the world today, there are many who reject Christ and his offer for them to be saved because they will say, you don't know what I've done. Or, there's a common thing, they'll say, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? They're looking for an escape clause. Let me say this. Just as sin sometimes results in bad things happening to good people, so too does grace, God's grace, create the possibility of good things happening to undeserving people. God wants to forgive each and every one of us. He wants to make things new. You see, grace is the vehicle that God uses on occasion to ensure that we get precisely what we do not deserve. It's his grace. Grace is not reserved for good people. You might be a doctor and a lawyer, president of a Fortune 500 company, but listen, without Christ, you need his grace. You need to come to Christ. You don't have Christ, you need to come to him this morning. You might be without hope, but let Christ come into your life and be the hope that you need. It's not reserved for good people, but his grace, it's his grace that underscores the goodness of God. Now, Paul said in verse 10, and we'll wrap this up, he says this, by the grace of God I am what I am, yet not I. <laughs> the power of God's grace. The power of his grace. You see, having ears open to what God is saying, that's the message. Without dismissing who he has bring the message, whoever it might be, the messenger can lead to much fruit if we react with true repentance. That's the key. Remember I've said, you had Peter, look at Peter. Briefly look at, at um, his brother, Simon. Look at those and see the grace of God. Look at Paul's life and see the grace that God had there. Two examples as we close. Peter again, because it's so important to look at something that Peter remembered the words of Jesus who said to him, before the rooster crows, you will not deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Peter showed repentance and was forgiven. Repentance. And he was forgiven. But there's another gentleman who we can use on, you know, as an example. And there was Judas. Remember Judas Iscariot. He was one, on the other hand, that showed regret. Matthew chapter 27 says, Then Judas, his betrayer, uh, Jesus' betrayer, seeing that he had uh, been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. And then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. You see, Judas showed regret and took his own life. There's, but there's freedom in repentance. You see, the guilt never leaves. We can be sorry for things that we've done or sorry for this or that, but the guilt never leaves until Jesus comes into our life and he wants to forgive us and he wants to remove the guilt and the shame of the things that we've done, all of our sins. That's the idea. We celebrate a risen God because it shows that there he is. He stands above. He sits on a throne that created the whole world. And he's still knocking on the door of the hearts of people today saying, I want in. And for the backslider, for those who have not been to church, not because they can't, because they just haven't been there for a long time, he wants you to live that resurrected life. Like he is resurrected in your life this morning. He wants to come back into your life so you hold on to the things and the promises that he's given to you. He wants to make you a man and a woman in prayer. 
He wants to make you hungry, give you that hunger for his word, hunger for righteousness. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, I encourage you to do that. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up, and they're going to close us in a song. But I, I want to encourage you. There's some ways that we'd love to hear from you, as I mentioned at the beginning. Ways to respond. You can go to the webpage, and we want to know. If you want to receive Christ, I'm going to pray for you right now. And again, I can't see you, so we need to hear from you so that we can give you some information. Go to our webpage. You can go to, uh, even on your social media site, you can put up a hand, you know, and whatever it is, pray for me. You can go right there. You don't have to leave and go to your phone or go to a text site, but there is a number you can text. And in that number, you can, you can respond the same way. I need prayer. I want to receive Christ. Let us know that. It's like every hand going up, and sometimes I'll say this, so they raise your hand. And people will raise their hand and I'll say, I'll, I'll acknowledge you. Well, God bless you. God bless you. And you might be at home right now, maybe with your hand raised up and God bless you because you need to come to Christ and you want to give your life to him. Just do that. Just raise your hand. You can text in a moment. And that's acknowledging. You can raise both hands. That's acknowledging that you're going to surrender to Christ this morning. I'm just surrendering to him. And then I would have people come forward. Well, it's we're not doing that today because you're coming forward is to let us know through a text message. But I want to pray with you and I want you to know that by praying we're going to send you some information. So let's begin by praying for all of you who want to receive Christ this morning. Just repeat after me. In the church will pray along with you. If somebody is in your living room, your family member, they're going to pray along with you. I encourage you, church, pray along with these people. Dear Jesus, come into my life Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. I want to live for you because you died for me. Fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. And may I live my life for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Please let us know, respond to any of those uh, messages out there. We want to hear from you. The Lord bless you guys. And church, listen, we serve a God who's risen from the dead, Jesus Christ. Live in that power. Live with that first love that we should have for him. And though we're distant, he's always there. Though we're on TV, he's right in your presence. Call out to him and ask him, Lord, rekindle that first love. Rekindle that first love and allow, allow me to hold on to the things that are from you and not the things of this world. Father, again, we thank you and praise you. Have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's word and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.